Welcome to the She Wrote That podcast. Here, our goal is to uplift hardworking female writers, bloggers, authors, journalists, and storytellers. Each episode will feature a conversation with a different female writer where we dig deep about everything writing related, from being a woman in the industry, to developing stories, to editing style, to mentorship. We are so excited to have you here. I'm your host, Charlotte Barnes. I'm an incoming student at Northwestern University's Medill School, where I'll be majoring in journalism this fall. I'm super excited to talk to different female writers each week and learn about the diverse experiences that shape their writing. This episode, I'm talking with blogger and editor Heather Motro. Heather blogs about sustainable living for ourselves and the earth at The Blurg, which can be found at www.theblurg.com. Outside of The Blurg, Heather was co-editor of her high school's award-winning yearbook, The Tigrium, and an assistant editor at Space Coast Magazines. She also manages the Instagram of the Marine Resources Council. This fall, she will attend Clemson University Honors College, where she hopes to combine her passions for sustainability and ethics with her love for writing, just like she does on the blurg. I attended high school with Heather, and she's honestly one of the coolest people I know. She's so much more than an amazing writer, from being in a rock band, to being a talented dancer, to being in charge of our school's honors council. However, today's episode is going to center around her writing. We talk about how she develops content, the differences between blogging and other forms of writing, her leadership style as an editor, and more. Stay tuned to hear our discussion. So to start off, I know the blurg is one of your favorite things in the whole world, and you recently celebrated its sixth anniversary. So tell me a little about why you started it and where it's gone from there. So I started it, like I said, like you said, six years ago. So I was in sixth grade. Um, obviously, the quality of writing then and the content was pretty ridiculous, and it was mostly just me writing whatever I wanted. Um, but as I got older and I started reading more and I got very interested in, uh, sustainability and cooking and, um, just kind of the environment. And so my blog became my way of combining all those interests and making myself feel like I was doing something productive with everything I learned and tried. Like writing about it was a way to make it a little more worthwhile. Um, So, and I'm still kind of developing where I want to go with it um, and trying to figure out my exact direction, but it's definitely become my way of combining all my different passions into one product. Yeah, as you said, if you just look at the blurb, you write articles on so many different topics and it's awesome because you're so knowledgeable about all of them, but do you think you have a favorite topic to write about? Uh, I really love writing about the environment, especially I love uh, researching our local Florida environment and the issues that it has, um, the Indian River Lagoon and all the different byproducts of lawn fertilizers that go into it and all the different wildlife. And I don't actually have too many posts on it right now, but it's something that I'm very interested in and I love researching and writing about because I know that right now at least most of my readers are local and it's so it's something that can connect with them. So you say that 
where you've grown up definitely has impacted your love for the environment and sustainability? Absolutely. I grew up on the water here, so I've seen a lot of the changes that occurred in the Indian River Lagoon, um, all the different algae blooms and fish kills that have happened over the years. And um, what's very happening right now is very optimistic with it. It's definitely cleared up a lot. And so I think that's really exciting. Um, and I, I love doing research into like the different reasons why that might happen. Um, and I think that I'm able to show that a lot in my blog, show my passion for that and talk about different ways we can help that. Yeah, I think it's definitely awesome that you're using your platform for that as someone who lives on the water as well. I've seen all of that. So I think it's awesome that you're using the blurb to discuss that. Um, but I know another favorite topic of yours is food. You can tell just by looking at the Blurg Instagram feed. And I was wondering, how do you come up with your recipes? Uh, I get really silly inspiration from a lot of different things. I follow, I, how I got into food, I should say, is I started following um, some different like hippie Instagrams, I guess. Um, people who make smoothie bowls that look more like works of art than stuff that you should be eating. Um, so I usually, I would draw inspiration from those and I usually start with an image in mind. Um, and then I figure out how to make it edible and how to make it taste good. Um, and sometimes not necessarily an image, but like an aesthetic. Um, right now I'm kind of into, I, this is gonna sound so bad, but like, the anime aesthetic of like kawaii faces and stuff. I know I sound like I'm 12 years old when I'm saying that, but I think it's so cute to put that kind of stuff on food and to be able to make something that's cute, but also tastes good and can be good for you is like the ultimate level of comfort. And I, I love doing that. No, I think the kawaii food is so cute. I've loved your little post recently with all the food that just looks like cute little animals. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Do you ever like gain inspiration? Like I know com um, Pinterest is like a common site for people to look at. Do you often look there too? Pinterest is, I've spent so much time on Pinterest. I, it's, it's a problem. It's an addiction. <laughs> yeah, that that's kind of been my issue over quarantine too. I feel like I've been looking at too much food on Pinterest, but I don't think I've been productive as making it as you probably have been. <laughs> I think I drive my family crazy sometimes. I'll see something and I'll be like, oh my God, I have to make it. And it'll be like the most ridiculous like setup or whatever. But you know, you get an idea and I like, you can't let it go. Yeah, I, I think you're really great at following through with your ideas. I am definitely like a level one baker, but I look at your Instagram and you look like a pro. <laughs> I'm definitely not. Thank you though. I mean... <laughs> so many messes and there's so much stuff that doesn't go on the Instagram that I just like I, I don't like to waste stuff but if it turns out gross I'll just like try to disguise it with a ton of peanut butter and like sprinkles or something to make it taste good <laughs> <laughs> and I know aside from the blurg I know you've obviously been super involved with Space Coast magazines and the yearbook and I was wondering how these involvements have been different from your blog it's been really fun to uh, to work with each different kind of writing because they're all a little bit different stylistically and um, even the grammar and the 
kind of like the reading level for each is a little bit different. So like my blog, I can be very casual. I can make up words if I want to and add smiley faces or whatever, just to make it sound like it's me talking right now. Um, Space Coast Magazines is probably the biggest adjustment because you want to sound professional, but conversational at the same time for the editorial writing and still fit that Associated Press style. So it was kind of a challenge for me to write with, you know, fun words. And it's more about including like interesting transitions and trying to think who the audience is adults around Space Coast area because our population is mostly uh, I think like in their 40s to 60s I could be wrong on that uh, so trying to hit that age group um, and then the yearbook is a whole entirely different kettle of fish um, because there's like nothing fun about writing the stories everything is just nothing but facts uh, very straightforward sentences, so trying to make it as clean as possible with zero opinion or editorializing whatsoever. So that's kind of the complete other end of the spectrum from my blog. So there's definitely like a learning curve through all those different um, types of writing, but it's it's kind of fun toggling back and forth between the different mindsets for sure. Yeah, I know. I love practicing different types of writing as well and I know obviously with the magazine and the yearbook you're doing a little more design and photography do you think that those involvements have furthered your skills and design particularly oh gosh I hope so <laughs> design was not my forte at all when I started yearbook um and I mean I love doing art and you know you can see I love trying to make things look pretty with my food. Um, and when I get to like the, the yearbook kind of graphic design, I usually had to turn to my co-editor Marissa and be like, please help me with this. Um, because it's, there's a difference between just like pretty art and something that's visually appealing to read. So I think I have learned a little bit at least of how to lead the eye to what's important. I think that's been really valuable um, in your book. And I haven't done as much with the magazine and design. I've, that's more figuring out like things you wouldn't think about, like what quotes look best to pop out of a magazine. Um, so both of those have kind of impacted my blog as far as the photography. I've learned how to, um, make the elements of usually I take pictures of food so make the elements of the food pop out more or lead your eye to what's most important about them uh, and that's something that I am still trying to figure out how to implement on the blog itself but right now um, if you look at it all the design and everything was done by my friend Emma who's going to go into graphic design and art so I love to pitch her because she's awesome yeah, I love the logo. The strawberry is so cute. Mm -hmm. She did a great job. <laughs> yeah, it looks great. Um, and as you said, obviously, you're, the three different types of writing you do obviously play on different types of skills. 
Do you think you prefer one platform or medium over the other? I'm not sure. It kind of depends on the mood I'm in. The blog writing is definitely the easiest because I can just dump my brain onto a keyboard and it doesn't have to be, you know, clean or professional at all because it's that's just what a blog is. is it's just, you know, talking. Um, and then the yearbook is, the yearbook writing is very challenging because like I said, you can't include any form of opinion. You can't say that something is good. You can't say that something was, you know, even like little things you might not realize. If you say like, everybody enjoyed this, that's still editorializing because you don't know that that's a fact. So it's kind of a logic puzzle to figure out how to just scrape everything away except the plain facts. So when I'm in a more, when I'm more awake and focused, that's really fun to write. And then, like I said, the magazine is kind of in the middle of those two. So that's what takes the most brain power, I think. I have to be incredibly focused to hammer out like a combination of interesting, but also pure factual. That makes sense. Um, we talked about how your design experience sort of approach how you change or how sort of changed how you approach posting on the blurg, but I was wondering if the way you write for the other publications has sort of made you rethink how you post on the blurg. Definitely, especially what I write in the magazine. Um, because to, when I started writing for the magazine, I really had no idea what they were looking for. So I I think I went through like a year's worth of issues of the magazine before I wrote my first article and just read like every single editorial to try to understand their voice. Because I mean, besides it being my first time I'd written for something like that, that was my first job ever. And I was really scared I was gonna screw it up. So I wanted it to be perfect. Um, so, and what really helped me was uh, reading my editor's articles because that helped me to see exactly what she wanted. Um, and she has a really like unique and friendly, but also like intelligent writing voice. So I tried to imitate that and I'm not sure if it was intentional or unintentional, but that has showed up a little bit in my, just the voice of my blog writing. Um, and it's also made me think more about the audience to whom I'm writing. I know I mentioned before that I was trying to write for a more adult audience for the magazine, but my blog, I know, ideally I will eventually get a readership beyond like my friend circle right now, but I know that right now that's mostly who it's going to is teenagers that I know from school um, and from the college that I'm gonna go to. So thinking about what people my age uh, want to read, how they look at how me like information is presented to them right now on other forms of media like Instagram and TikTok and that kind of like colorful language, but also just the visual representation, how things are broken up into paragraphs and stuff. Um, and so I'm trying to 
look at my audience for my blog the same way I analyze my audience for the magazine and adjust how I'm talking on the blog, kind of like how I adjusted my writing for the magazine, I guess. That's such an interesting impact to think about because a lot of times when you say stuff on the internet, it kind of feels like you're just shouting into the void. But Exactly. That's yeah. how I feel on my blog too. <laughs> but it's really awesome that you're analyzing the impact you're having and comparing it to what you're doing in Space Coast magazines. And so moving on more into like the nitty gritty with the blog. So you've had a pretty frequent posting schedule for six years, which I applaud you for doing that as a person who's tried like three different blogs and failed. Um, how do you brainstorm new pieces and ideas? There's periods of drought and monsoon as far as ideas. I'll go for months just like posting things that I'm not super like I don't want to say I, I never I try to never post anything that I'm not very proud of but you know things that I'm not super invested in that I would just post because I felt like I was trying to keep up a schedule um and then I would get like six different ideas at once um sometimes that was sets of recipes or I would see something or read something that would give me an idea for like, oh, I should do some research into this or try this and then write about it. Um, so the frequent posting schedule I kept up for the past years, I did because I had read a while ago that one of the best ways to get more readership was to just keep posting consistently uh, because readers who are stumbling upon your blog will be more likely to uh, stick around if they know that you're not going to be flaky about it, I guess, if they're going to get content every week or whatever. So I tried to keep that up. Um, and recently over the summer, you know, I just graduated high school and I kind of want to take things back and not have to plan for writing every single day if I don't want to. So I haven't, I've been a little more lax about that. But I would say that, I kind of got off topic there, sorry. I would say that um, coming up with ideas, I try to put at least something useful for readers into every single post. So if I see something that I think would be useful to myself, like, like how to make some kind of smoothie or whatever, or how to do this with my compost, things that other people could do, that anybody could do, even if they don't have that much money or resources or time. Um, I like to kind of work around obstacles and figure out how to get things done that way. And usually that'll give me several ideas for, you know, DIYs or even just little tips or something that I can share. That's awesome. And I know you were obviously pretty busy in high school, and I was wondering how you were able to stay so consistent on top of an everyday schedule with school, extracurriculars, everything else in life. So I keep like an insane planner during the school year. Like that thing is color coded. It's got 20 something different sections. <laughs> Maybe I'm exaggerating, but uh I'm a little bit obsessed with my planner and I think I would forget every single thing if I didn't write it down. So that's been helpful. And then writing the 
blog. Um, I use a lot of everything I do at, at school and in my extracurriculars that ends up on my blog. Um, stuff about dance or I think I've written about my planner on my blog. So I usually incorporate what I do and all my other activities into my blog. So it's not like I'm adding one extra thing on top of a busy schedule. It's just kind of infused with it. But do you ever feel like it can be a little difficult to schedule out time to create the posts themselves and go on your blog, analyze your readership on top of everything else? Yes, I would, especially during the past couple school years, um, things just get crazy. So I try to take anytime I have a break from school, like the our Christmas break or whatever, if I had ideas, I would just write post after post to stockpile for, um, you know, releasing one a week when things got too busy. So I would definitely suggest that to anyone who writes any kind of a publication where they want to be posting something regularly. Uh, when you have the time and the inspiration, don't wait because then you'll either get to a point where you don't have time or you just lose the inspiration and don't feel like writing. So don't let that go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's such a great idea, especially when things get really busy in life. And obviously the last few months have been a little crazy with quarantine and social distancing and finishing high school. But I know there has been a little extra time considering we're not at school from eight to three every single day. And I was wondering how quarantine and being at home has impacted the blurg or your writing in general. Um, you know, honestly, I, I did try to keep up a posting schedule on the blog while in quarantine, but because that schedule wasn't as consistent, I got a little more lax, I think, with um, my writing, uh, especially because I was just trying to keep up, uh, keep up, like, doing school, and I really wanted to finish off the academic year strong, um, just out of my own, I guess, kind of pride. <laughs> uh, so I'm not sure that I was able to write to the quality that I would have liked to, but I definitely was able to write more, like, longer posts. So that's interesting and not something I'd really thought about before. I think I ended up with quantity over quality during this quarantine, so that's something you've given me something to think about. I think I need to uh, go and look back at what I've written. And because, you know, when I was busy during the school year, I would kind of just try to hammer out exactly what I needed to say without any of the extra frills. And when you're just sitting with not much else to do, it's fun to write frills that nobody really cares about reading. So I'll have to go back and look at that. Yeah, that's that's actually really cool to hear about that you ended up with more longer posts and spent a little more time thinking about writing all of those frills. And do you think heading into the summer, you might change how you're writing and go back to posting how you were during the school year as life kind of resumes to a new normal? You know, I think so. I think I, for some time now, I've been wanting to improve 
on my writing style on my blog. I love writing in that conversational tone, um, but I think that sometimes I get where it's a little bit, um, trying to think of a good word, a little bit blah, a little bit typical. Um, and I really want to kind of develop my own unique writer's voice. I get inspiration from a couple other writers. There's this one blogger um, called So Fine Was The Morning, and I am absolutely obsessed with her writing style, and I think that I find that I copy it sometimes. So I kind of want to look at what I like, how I like to write, and how I like other writing to sound, and kind of combine those, which is something that I haven't taken much time to do yet. Yeah, it's such a commonly held belief that the more you read others writing, different types of writing, that it makes your writing better. And with that, do you have, aside from that one blog, or any specific blogs or publications you like to read that you think impact your writing style? So yes, I, I love So Fine Was the Morning. Um, I've been following Free Cilantro, which is a another foodie. I think she's just an Instagram, but she... I kind of like her writer voice as well. And then I read a lot of fiction. Um, I absolutely love J.R.R. Tolkien. If you've ever looked at my blog, you know that. And Charlotte, I know that you know that yeah. from my uh, uncomfortable seventh grade years. Um, and I'm reading uh, Louisa May Alcott right now. So an old American author. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of, I find that I get like, some slightly antiquated language from the older authors I write, um, which can be fun to combine with more modern writing. I think it sounds a little like witty and playful. So I like that a lot. Um, and I'm trying to think what other blogs. I'll have to think a little bit more. I None, none others come to mind right now. Okay. That... That is really interesting because it sounds like you do draw inspiration from a variety of places. And I think it's good to like read publications and blogs that are really similar to yours. But obviously reading Louisa May Alcott and J.R. Tolkien will definitely impact your writing style considering what phenomenal writers they are. And so you're heading to Clemson next fall. And what are your plans for the blurg when going to college? I've thought a lot about that, and I'm still trying to figure out a game plan. Um, I think that the blog is going to turn a lot away from food uh, towards more sustainable living kind of writing. Because right now, a big focus of it, especially on its Instagram, which is where I get most of my viewers to go to the blog, is entirely food-focused. And I'm just not going to be able to really cook much up there. I mean, there's like a little kitchen in the dorm, but I'm gonna, I'm not going to have time. I'm going to be eating, you know, the dining hall food. So not much time to come up with recipes or food style or anything like that. Um, so, but I have been doing a lot of research on, you know, sustainable and low waste dorm living. And so I think that my blog will focus more on my experiences with that which I think will be good. I think 
that that's something that I do want to put out into the world is, you know, like, here's what I did, here's if it worked or didn't, so that other people who happen to read my blog can start doing the same sustainable practices. Um, I would love to help spread a little more low-waste technique. That's awesome. I know... I would I will definitely be reading that in the fall if that's what you're posting about because that sounds so interesting um and I know obviously this next year is going to be weird with some schools just doing takeaway food the whole food situation and just everything at college I know is going to be weird next year but even if you move away from food could you see yourself potentially moving back to food when you're here in the summer or once you have an apartment and can cook your own food in Clemson I hope so. I love cooking, um, and I think it's very comforting and relaxing, and also a great way to bond with people. Um, cooking with them or for them is just like, you know, it helps you connect with people on a base level. So I definitely hope to always continue with the kind of food aspect. Um, and I think it, it's kind of like a practical art because you, you can make something and unlike you know a painting or a sculpture or something that's just gonna sit there you it's useful you know you get energy from it you can eat it <laughs> so I guess that comes that sounds kind of silly but it's it's a really good outlet and so I definitely do want to continue it. And I love cooking with my family. They're probably the biggest reason that I've gotten into cooking anyways. So that's always a way to spend time with them. Well, that's good to hear. And aside from the blog, obviously taking class is going to be a big part of your life in the fall and coming into the future. And do you have any plans for taking specific writing classes at Clemson or working on your writing skills there? I definitely hope that I will be able to do some writing there. I know they have a pretty nice uh, student-run magazine, and they also have a phenomenal um, international policy magazine that I think they do quarterly or it might be um, semi-annually, I'm not sure. So I would love to get involved with that. And I'm, I can't say for sure because I'm not quite sure what my major is going to be yet. I'm entering undeclared and I'm kind of in between two very different routes. I'm torn between going like a public policy route or completely different and doing environmental and natural resources. So I definitely do want to write and I will be taking as many uh, literary electives as I can, but it, depending on whether I end up in a science field or a humanities field, we'll kind of see where I go. So it is nice to have the blog there because that gives me a way to keep writing and publishing no matter where, what track I choose. Yeah, yeah, that will definitely be awesome and especially having those extracurriculars that you talked about will be really helpful if you end up going into the science field and still want a writing outlet um and so you've also served as an editor for our yearbook and at space coast magazines how do you think you would describe your leadership style 
Uh, I love editing, honestly. I think for the magazine, I might like editing even more than I like writing. <laughs> um, it's... As far as leadership style, I, I think that I was kind of thrown into it, both for the magazine and for the yearbook. Um, so I didn't have a whole lot of confidence starting out and having to be in that position of you know, changing people's writing that they work really hard on was initially very com uncomfortable for me. And so it's kind of helped me to gain more respect for everybody that I work with, that I'm writing with. Um, because reading and editing their writing kind of shows you like what's going on with their head, like in their head. So leadership style, I'm not too sure, I guess. <laughs> Quiet and I just try to be as respectful and understanding as possible with everybody because it really seems like in the yearbook, you know, there's crunch deadlines and with the magazine, a lot of the writers, this was their first writing gig, just like it had been mine. So I'm learning just as much as they are while I'm doing this. So I think it's kind of a cooperative thing. Um, they write and I kind of just try to clean things up and we were both trying to make it fit for a certain story or a certain need. Yeah, I think there there are just so many different ways that you can approach being a leader as an editor and working with the writers. And do you think you've had any major takeaways from the editors that you've worked under, either at Space Coast Magazines or on the yearbook? Absolutely. Um, my, my second editor for the magazine, Sarah Santora, remember that name. She's going to be she's going to be like famous someday. <laughs> she actually moved away recently and is like writing for the political scene up in D.C. Um, and she inspired me so much because she wrote in so many different directions. She had like a music blog and her own personal blog. And then she wrote for the magazine and. It was kind of like we were talking about earlier where, you know, there's a different voice for each kind of medium. Um, and so she was able to achieve that. And her passion for writing also really shone through. It was like, like she knew that was what she was born to do. And that inspired me so much. Um, so I, I always love to look at her writing and it just kind of motivates me to improve my own. Uh, and similarly on the yearbook, the senior editors before me um, that I had in my junior year were incredibly committed and just kind of had that um, sort of instinct for what looked good and sounded good, um, or at least I thought that they did. And then I saw how much work they put in behind the scenes, hours and hours that we didn't see. Um, so that really inspired me to give my all into the book to make it the best it possibly could be um, and make it seem effortless to people who read it. That is so awesome to hear. And especially discussing Sarah, do you think you've had any seriously impactful female role models as a writer? So definitely her for sure. Um, 
I also... So I've talked, I know I talk a lot about this blogger. So, so fine was the morning. I think her name is like Lynn something. I don't know. Um, I've never met her or spoken to her, but um, I love reading her writing and um, how she's not afraid to talk about any kind of issue. And she just blends everything artfully. Um, into her writing in any medium that she can. Um, and I've seen, I think, almost every woman writer has faced the kind of challenge of, I mean, writing is not necessarily a man's world, like other, um, like other callings are, but there's still kind of that push to prove yourself and prove your intellect that I really see uh, she just does without any inhibition. And the same with Sarah. And, you know, like I was talking about Louisa May Alcott and all the writers that um, wrote in the centuries past. Uh, I always think it's interesting that they've achieved that fame and, like, what's the word? Um, like, e eternal mark on history mm -hmm. through the written word. Um, even though in history, like intellect and power, I guess, even though it's not the power that we would think of, I'm just kind of rambling here, even the power that we would not think of is more of a man's thing historically. Yeah, it's, it's great to hear that you have such a strong blend of personal and then role models you don't even know. I think a lot of people can speak to how Louisa May Alcott have has impacted their lives as writers. I never could make it through Little Woman, but uh, I, I, watched I watched the movie. The this movie. sounds bad, <laughs> especially as a writer. But she just the story she's told. She's definitely a very impactful writer. Um, and so I have a few big questions that I'm going to ask all my guests. So you're the first one who gets to hear them. <laughs> so the first one is if you could go back in time to when you first began writing what advice would you give yourself so we talking when I first began writing ever or like the blog currently maybe the blog because that yeah that's more recent okay um I would tell myself to not try to write for what I think other people want to read. Even though we were just saying all that stuff about like writing for an audience, that's different. Um, I would tell myself to say what I want without caring what other people think, but still take into account um, the style and the voice necessary to reach the people that I want to read it if that makes sense yeah yeah I totally understand what you're saying and like you said writing isn't especially a male-dominated world as today but do you have any advice for other female writers in particular I think I would say the same thing um just just literally do not care what other people are going to think. 
um, you want to, writers, you know, I think we tend to have something in our head that we want to get out into the world, uh, so we can't be held back by any kind of gender block or any other inhibition that's holding us back. Just literally say it, and what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that. Um, and what do you think is the most important skill that a writer can have? I know there, there are so many, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, this is going to sound so bad, but honestly, grammar. <laughs> like, that sound, I sound like I'm your ninth grade English teacher or whatever. But if you have the mastery of the language, um enough to make it cohesive, then you can do whatever you want. And you can start breaking rules too. You know, you don't have to be within the confines of grammar if you want to do something a little more artsy fartsy or whatever. But you have to be able to understand how to construct language before you can use it for your own good. Yeah, that makes that definitely makes a lot of sense, especially coming from the editor perspective. I totally understand that. Um, and we sort of discussed this earlier, but are there any books that you've read, maybe not just recently, but in general that have seriously changed how you approach writing or what topics you cover? So, yeah, we did talk about Tolkien and his the Lord of the Rings series was what really got me into writing when I was in fifth or sixth grade. I started reading them and I would just get stories in my head based around his language. Um, I've also, there's this book called Whale Music. I'm looking up the author right now because I can't remember. Um, and it was just a super kind of kooky book okay by paul quarrington just like a super really weird book i don't even think it's still being printed now i found it at an old bookstore but the way he wrote kind of switched back and forth between perspectives and the descriptions were just very strange and almost avant-garde and i read that just a few years ago so that kind of changed my perspective on how different things can be presented. I don't know if I necessarily use that in any of the sort of nonfiction publications that I'm writing now, but if I ever write little stories or poems or anything, that style is very present in my head. That's awesome. I'll have to look that book up. I've never heard of that before. I definitely recommend it. It's so weird. <laughs> Um, and I know it's so hard to choose, uh, but do you have a favorite story you've ever written? Ever written? Yeah, yeah I, I, it could be on the blog, it could blog. be at Space Coast Magazines. I know it is so difficult to choose, but... It's hard to choose for sure. Um, for Space Coast Magazines, I once wrote a story about, um a local ballroom dancing place. I think they had paid for the article to be written for advertising. I could be wrong. But I ended up talking with the guy and he talked about how he had 
met his wife and like connected with her through ballroom dancing and I'm like a hopeless romantic I thought that was the <laughs> cutest thing ever and I loved writing about it uh as far as the blog um kind of similarly a few years ago I interviewed a local band called Orangutanga and that was my first time doing any interviewing um outside of yearbook stuff but they were super enthusiastic and like totally undeterred by the fact that this little 15 year old was interviewing them. Um, and I loved hearing their story and all the inspiration that went into their music. And I loved writing about them. And it kind of got me into that magazine style writing because I like looked at Rolling Stone articles and took inspiration from like a music critic kind of style. And so I thought that was super fun. I loved writing that. To hear, I know that interview experiences like that can take you out of your comfort zone, but I feel like in my personal experience, experiences like that are what make you a better writer in the end. Definitely. Yeah, I think that was really like a kind of a turning point for my interest in nonfiction writing. And so final question when people read your work, whether it's in the blurg or Space Coast Living or flipping through the yearbook, what do you hope their biggest takeaway is? I hope that they get something that they can use out of it. You know, I realize that a lot of media is I don't want to call it a waste of time because if you enjoy it, if you have fun and get pleasure out of it, it's not a waste of time. But sometimes I find myself, you know, just scrolling through blogs or Instagram accounts, um, not even realizing how I got there. I picked up my phone to look at something else and now I'm trapped there. And it is a, like I am wasting my own precious time that I could be doing something useful. So I hope that people are inspired or connected with someone in their community um, if they're reading the magazine or the yearbook. Um, and they just feel motivated to do something that has a positive impact. That's so awesome to hear. Well, thank you so much for coming on as my first guest. And it's why I so appreciate you spending your time with me today. Well, thank you so much. This was super fun. Once again, a huge thank you to Heather for being our first guest on the podcast. To learn more about her and her work, go to the blurg, spelled B-L-E-R-G-H dot com, or look up the Blurg blog on Instagram, YouTube, or Facebook. To learn more about this podcast, go to She Wrote That Podcast on Instagram or She Wrote That Pod on Twitter. Thank you for stopping by. We'll see you next episode.